When we say to kids, like, look, you'll laugh about this later, that's similar. That has sort of a similar ring to it of that, that expression that I tell people not to say is, what's the worst that could happen, right? We're trying to say, like, you can handle this. I'm an adult. I've been through this too. It'll get better. But it just sounds in the moment, if you've got a teenager, a young person who's experienced some sort of horrible, cringy social experience, it doesn't work in the moment to say you'll laugh about this later. We know they will, but you just in the moment, not so helpful to say that. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about how to manage those tricky emotions that show up in all families. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to do and what to say. Then we're going to talk about embarrassment today. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all have been so embarrassed. It's such a hard thing to experience, isn't it? Man, we've all had moments where you just want to crawl into the floor. Yes. And we, we definitely have. But the skill or the support one needs, especially as a parent to help your kids after they experience the most embarrassing moment of their life, you know, in this really hyperbolic way, we think this episode might be a little fun and a little helpful. That's right. A little fun and a little helpful. Okay. So do you want to go first with your most embarrassing story? I was thinking about my most embarrassing story. We have so many, right? The one that sticks out I don't cringe now, but I still cringed for a while when I would recall it. This is going to make us sound so old, but this was still in the relatively early days of email. This was in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. AOL dial-up. Ding! Actually, I think companies didn't have dial-up. We had what was called like a T1 line or something oh, like that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the company had a T1 line. So this was before I even had a personal email. I had a work email and I had had a date with a boy and this date had gone really well. And the date even agreed to watch my favorite movie that's considered not so good. It's like, you know, you like something in irony, right? Yeah. And so I have a best guy friend. He said, how's your love life going? You know, and I was like, oh, I had a new date with this boy. Look at what he wrote me. And in the email, he was like, can't wait to see you again. And I'd love to watch this movie. So I forwarded that my friend and I said, hey, if he's willing to watch this movie, does he like me or what? Oh, no, I see where this is going. So then my friend, I don't know how, replied all. So that the boy then got that email. email. So that was embarrassing because that was our first date. And then what happened? Well, I wanted to kill my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And I was also like, how did this even happen? He had fancier email that like pulled in all the emails in the chain or something. Because even to this day, it's like, well, how did he do that without actually manually adding that in? Who knows? Yeah, those were in the early days of email. We had a friend who had a job. My husband used to work with him and then they both left the company. But he wrote that email about the president of the company. And 
sent it to everybody in the company. Mm. And you know what? He got fired. <gasps> Ooh, I didn't get fired, but the boy and I dated for a couple of months. Oh, you so. did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So he handled it. Yeah. Okay. So here's my most embarrassing. Well, I have two. One, I can't tell you because it's, I mean, it's really funny, but I'm not going to tell you. The Well, you'll tell me, but you're not going to tell all of our listeners. Right. Have I told you about the behind the chicken coop story? No. Oh, okay. So tuck that away and I'll share it with you at some point. Okay. So that was just mean to everyone listening now. Okay. Well, maybe someday I'll tell it. That'll keep everybody keep listening. And maybe someday I'll tell the behind the chicken coop story. So my story is I was in 10th grade, going into 10th grade. And I played tennis all the time when I was a kid. I played a lot of sports, but that was my favorite thing to do. And I played a lot with guys. I liked hitting the ball with guys. And so my mixed doubles partner was a person named Steven. And he was going into ninth grade. I was going into 10th grade. And we were really good buddies. And we were really good mixed doubles partners. And we played in a match and we finished the match. And you know, at the end, you walk up to the net and you shake hands with your opponents. So we walked up to the net. And as we're shaking hands with the opponents, he puts his arm around me. Now, it was clearly like a planned maneuver. And I don't know who gave him this advice, but I immediately started to feel like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Because I hadn't really had a boyfriend by then. Cut to a few days later, it becomes clear that he likes me. I'm not really into this. And we're hanging out after we play tennis. We used to be buddies. Now it's weird. I had a cold. We're talking and all of a sudden I sneezed. And as I sneezed, a softball amount of snot came out of my nose into my hand. So I'm standing there in front of him. Now, prior, prior to the unfortunate arm over the shoulder, we would have laughed. But now the whole tenor of the relationship has changed. So I'm standing there holding a huge ball of snot in my hand. And do you know what he said? What? He said, ew. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so mortified. I said like, oh my God. And I ran to the bathroom and cleaned myself up. And I, I still, I can remember everything about that memory is just crystal clear. I know exactly where I was standing. I remember the picnic table. It was so, so awful. It got worse from there because then he wanted to go on a date and that was awful. And we went to go see Urban Cowboy and his mom had to drive us. And I cried before the date. I cried after the date. And so it was bad. And then we went back to just being friends who play tennis together. But it was a very, very difficult two weeks in the life of little 15-year-old Lynn Lyons. Wow. Yeah. Both of us have maybe an even more embarrassing story that neither one of us really want to share on the podcast. But I think that everyone has these. Mm -hmm. Everyone has these. Yes. And they become funny tales later. What's the expression? You'll laugh about this later. Well, and that's the hard thing. Like if you have a child who has an embarrassing situation, particularly if they're in middle school or high school and something embarrassing happens, we know that later on, this will be a story that they'll tell and it will be funny. And as an adult, looking back on their teenage years, everybody can relate to it. But man, in the moment, it just is terrible. And when we say to kids, like, look, you'll laugh about this later, that's similar. That has sort of a similar ring to it of that, that expression that I tell people not to say is, 
what's the worst that could happen, right? We're trying to say like, you can handle this. I'm an adult. I've been through this too. It'll get better. In the moment, if you've got a teenager, a young person who's experienced some sort of horrible, cringy social experience, it doesn't work in the moment to say, you'll laugh about this later. We know they will, but you just, in the moment, not so helpful to say that. Yeah. You just got to throw at them just a ton of empathy. And if it's somebody who you know tends to go catastrophic and you've talked about that, you could point it out that right now, I know this is super embarrassing. It happens to everybody. Let's not go catastrophic with this. You just want to make sure that you don't, from your adult perspective, make light of it because they haven't gotten to the place where it's funny yet. That takes time. Right. Well, we asked our listeners to share some of their most embarrassing stories, and we'll go over those when we come back after the break. Do you think seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist would be helpful, but you don't have the time to actually find one? And then, like, when do you have time to meet with them? Try Talkspace. By doing everything online, Talkspace has made getting the help you want easy, accessible, and affordable. It's in-network with most major insurers. There's no need to commute to appointments. You won't miss time at work or have to line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace lets you send messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. Therapy can help you shift your perspective and find tools to cope in difficult times. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform with licensed therapists in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues, and much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. How are those New Year's resolutions going? Well, many are destined to fail. But lucky for you, here's one easy resolution idea that we gave you that we can all make and it will make your life easier. It'll be kinder to our planet and it will transform the way you do laundry in 2024. And that is switching to EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze looks like dryer sheets, but it's ultra-concentrated laundry detergent and it couldn't be easier. You just throw a sheet in with your laundry in any temperature and you watch it dissolve in any wash cycle hot or cold. There's no measuring, there's no mess, there's no fuss, there's no wasteful plastic jug. EarthBreeze fights everyday stains and odors, giving you an amazing clean every time. The best part is you'll never run out again thanks to EarthBreeze flexible subscription that you can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties. And you'll save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Shipping's always free and it comes in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. So switching to EarthBreeze won't only make laundry day easier for you, but it will also be easier on the planet. So help me make plastic jugs a thing of the past. And if EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. Just let them know it's not for you and you'll get a full refund, no questions asked. Get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks. That's earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks for 40% off your subscription. So Lynn, here's a question or a way to think about this. Within the framework of striving for emotional management, Mm -hmm. sometimes if we're talking about emotions that are pretty prevalent and they're part of our daily experience, 
sometimes it's harder to separate and look at those under the microscope, shall we say. But a moment of embarrassment is an interesting and illustrative example because here's a one-off, very, very powerful emotion specifically because of something happening. And then you realize, okay, well, how do I manage this? That feeling and those really powerful feelings are stemming from a direct moment in time when you realized you were embarrassed, right? right? This wasn't some like chronic pattern. So all of a sudden you're dealing with this like intense feeling of embarrassment and shame and having skills of kind of coming down from that is a good goal, right? Yeah. Well, because it's a moment of vulnerability, right? It's a moment of something took you by surprise. And those moments where all of a sudden the world tilts on its axis a little bit, you don't know what to say. If people talk about being embarrassed, they say, oh, I didn't know what to say. I felt frozen. I wanted to run away. Those are all sort of moments of embarrassment, moments of vulnerability where it's hard to just stay present. And remember, when you're embarrassed, when you feel that way, you go inside. So it is a conversation that you're having with you. And even after the embarrassing moment, you and you are discussing the embarrassing moment. You are not really taking into account that the other people didn't care that much or that they're going to tell a funny story and that they're going to say, oh my gosh, this poor person, it happened to them and it must have been so embarrassing. You're not picking up on the empathy of the other people toward you. You are absolutely internally focused and it becomes sort of the focus of your thoughts. And if you tend to ruminate, you can go back over it and over it. So it really has the ability, these embarrassing moments really have the ability to sort of grab on and hold on for a long time. And the skill that we want to talk about with our young people is to empathize, empathize, empathize. Oh my gosh, that must have been so embarrassing. Also, you want to stay away in that moment of telling your own embarrassing story. And I've said this before, that a lot of times when a child is feeling anxious or a teen is feeling anxious, this falls into the category of talk 85% less. You don't want to say, oh my gosh, when I was your age, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you could do that later. But in the moment of their embarrassment, as weird as this sounds, like, let them have their embarrassment. Don't step in and work so hard to take it away. Empathize, normalize, but let them have it, right? Give them a hug. Say, oh my God. Even say like, oh my God, that sounds so embarrassing. We've all been through it. But don't launch into either trying to get rid of it or telling your story. Just let it be because it's going to happen. And that's a really good skill as a parent too. Well, one of the things you often say when we're talking about teens and anxiety from social situations is that we don't want to trap ourselves by reassuring teens. No one's going to judge you. No one's looking at you. And what's interesting about this is in those moments, it's very easy when you've had something embarrassing happen. What you're actually doing is catastrophizing the judgment of others. That's right. And so if you don't front load the skill of learning to be okay with other people judging you, that embarrassment is going to sting a lot more. If you with your kids talk about, look, people judge, you just get through it. And it's just a good idea to not care. If you're a kid who has understood that and has been sort of thinking about that, and it comes up in conversation, it will help that embarrassment a little bit, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say to teach them to not care because that's really hard. But I would say, you know what? People judge. If you do something embarrassing, people are going to judge. They might even talk about it. You might be the butt of the joke and you're going to have to tolerate their judgment. You're going to have to tolerate, just like we have to tolerate other people's opinions. We have to tolerate other people's feelings, right? It's going to bother you and you're going to get through it. So I misspoke. I said, don't care what I meant tolerate because to learn to tolerate these things, it's just being with it. Right. And we also want to make sure that we just don't ruminate about it because embarrassing moments, particularly for somebody who's socially anxious, embarrassing moments, that's what you ruminate about. You go back over it. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? When people are socially anxious, they're constantly assessing themselves to try and figure out what they did wrong or how they may have made a misstep. If you do something, and we have some stories, they are not little missteps. They are significantly embarrassing things that happened. How do we teach our kids to manage that? It happens to everybody and it doesn't feel good. And I think that's really what we want to say to kids is that when this happens, it doesn't feel good. It's sort of like when kids say, I hate getting shots. They hurt. I go, yeah, no kidding. I don't want to say like, oh no, it doesn't hurt. It's fine. I say, yeah, it hurts. It hurts, but we don't have to turn it into an emergency. And that's sort of the allowing mentality we want to have. We want to empathize and allow and have them be able to move through it rather than to get stuck on it. So I want to thank our listeners who submitted some stories and I promised them that their names would not be shared so they would feel comfortable. <laughs> this, I want to share this first one was so much my favorite. I could see this happening and this just took me back in time. So this listener writes, I was a big 17 reader in high school. Weren't we I, all? Oh I my know. gosh. Yeah. I wrote into the advice column describing two terrible dates I had gone on. One was about a boy that had taken me to a cemetery in his car. And another was a boy that couldn't stop burping after <laughs> ordering Orange Crush at McDonald's. They published this with my first name in town. One of the boys, the cemetery guy, got hold of it, added my last name, made copies, and stuffed it in everyone's lockers. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a pretty intense day at school. Well, I also just love that this is such a like an eighties or nineties story. Oh, right? This is like right out of Stranger right, Things. Right, right, right. Because it's it's Seventeen magazine. The guy had to make copies and put it in people's locker, right? So there was there was actual paper involved. Yeah. Oh, life in the eighties. Hey, Dad, could you take this to the copy machine at your work? Because I did they even there wasn't like Kinkos or something. You like you had to say. Hey, mom, when you go to work today, could you make copies of this? Because I'm going to put it in everybody's locker at school. Yeah, it just is such a, a great 80s or 90s story. And I will say that sounds so much worse. My having snot in my hand, that was just between me and Steven. This was public humiliation. Right. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to think about all of the anxiety patterns that could come up from this. It's very illustrative. So this happened... You're already maybe as a teenager by default, a little wary of judgment, mm -hmm. right? That's just part of the developmental stage. So then this happens. It's so easy to A, ruminate about it. Yep. B, catastrophize what people think. 
C, go global where you're like, I'm never going on a date again. Yeah. Or I'm never going back to school. Or I'm never going back to school, right? So you get into these extreme global patterns. It's very easy to see how these things will just trigger all of these different anxious pattern responses. Yeah. And that's an important thing when we talk about embarrassment and somebody going through an embarrassing moment. The globalizing, I think you bring up a very good point because people take one experience and then globalize it and imagine it happening over and over and over again. So, you know, you get bit by a dog. So now all dogs are dangerous. You embarrass yourself at school. So now you can never go to school again. You give a presentation and you stumble through your presentation. And now that was mortifying and you can never give another presentation again. So we really want to pay attention to how that global catastrophizing takes one incident and then spreads it far and wide and begins to dictate what you will do in the future. That's something we want to pay attention to. Here's another one, though, that is obviously less humorous because the Seventeen Magazine thing, people would have still laughed. I, you know, people would have laughed and there would have been a little bit of levity, not obviously to the person who was experiencing this. But this is like the classic teen nightmare. I was in 10th grade in world history, social studies, and my period came a couple of days early. When the bell rang at the end of the class, I stood up. There was blood all over the chair and the back of my light colored jeans and the teachers and students saw it as well. Oh, right. Like that's the stuff of 10th grade nightmares. Right. Again, very 80s because now all the girls have period pants. Wait. What? (laughs) I know you have sons, so you probably don't even know about this. What are period pants? So these panties can hold like eight tampons worth of menstrual blood. Okay. So I thought you meant, this is what I thought you meant, that you have a certain pair of pants that you wear that are reserved for when you think you're going to get your period. So that's what we had to do. We all wore black underwear or black pants. No, but period panties are a thing now. Oh, someday we're going to do an episode on all the words that I hate. And just so you know, panties is the top word. (laughs) I have a list of words that I can't stand and panties is the one on the top of the list. So you, you did a good job at first. You said period pants and then you just said period panties. I had to because you were imagining pants. You're right. So you had to make that differentiation. I appreciate the clarity. I'm just letting you know that that was triggering. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, so this is an experience. Now, again, like if that happened to your daughter, you would want to say like, oh my gosh, that happens to everybody. Then you want to try and say like, well, maybe nobody noticed or that kind of thing. And we just have to sit with the embarrassment of it. I think also with this one, you're going to get a lot of empathy from everybody in that situation because the boys were really embarrassed too. The boys were embarrassed that they saw it. The other girls were, I mean, this is their nightmare, like, oh my God. So you're probably going to get some empathy, right? Don't you think? Yeah. And I also think that this category, not that you want to break it down into categories, but if something like this happens or anything that's related to body function, Mm -hmm. this is a human experience. And so it's like, oh, well, if you're worried about them judging you, how do you think they're going to judge you? Oh. She has a menstrual cycle. Well, duh. Right. That's what I mean. And so it's important to know we all burp and fart, pee in our pants, have these types of things. And I think they're pretty human. I think that these types of 
experiences feel so vulnerable, but they're easily forgotten by other people. I was working when at my summer after high school, my best buddy and I, Polina and I were working on this cruise ship. We got a job on a cruise ship. It sounded fun. It was not fun. And we were standing in the dining room of the cruise ship and we had to wear these white polyester pants and then these colored smocks, depending on what meal we were serving. And Polina was standing across the dining room from me and I made her laugh, which I was good at doing. And she started laughing and laughing and laughing. And then she started really laughing and then I knew what was going to happen. And then she started really laughing because I knew it was happening. And she stood there and she peed in her white polyester pants in the dining hall of the cruise ship. Nice. Appetizing. Appetizing. Yeah. But I'll tell you, Polina was one of the few people in the world, if I were to ask her right now, was that an embarrassing moment? She'd be like, nope. It was one of my greatest moments. She could observe herself with such humor. The reason she started laughing so hard when she started peeing was because she could actually observe the situation and she found great humor in the fact that that was happening. You know, that's funny that you mentioned that because I want to share this next one and prove your point. Okay. So someone said this. I was at a basketball game with my friends. I saw a cute guy and said to my friend, who's the guy in the white shirt? He's hot. Everyone turned around and looked at me. I then remembered I had headphones on and had actually yelled it really loud. I promptly turned around and just walked away. So this is one of those things where don't you wish you're the person like your friend Polina, everyone's looking and you realize you did this. And instead, you just nod back at everyone and give an exaggerated <laughs> wink. <laughs> right, right, right. Like you own that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I can laugh at myself and I own that. And you actually have that skill. I just wanted to sort of highlight that because if we're thinking of this as skills, having kind of like a a sense of humor where you're capable of poking fun at yourself. I think I actually have that. Too. My mom was very good at that as well. If you can take hold of that embarrassing moment and then add on to it, you've dispelled the embarrassment. You're controlling that moment in a positive way. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I like to tell stories and I also like to be funny. If I have an embarrassing story that I can then use to my advantage in that way, even when something embarrassing is happening to me, sometimes I'm already thinking it's sort of like a stand-up comedian is already thinking like, okay, this is going to be good material. And I think that probably comes with age, but it's the ability to laugh at yourself because I do ridiculous things all the time. Well, we all do. I know. But it's the difference between finding the humor in it and finding the mortification in it. Mm -hmm. Is that a word in that sense? But mortification. Okay. Mortification. Sure. Let's okay. go with it. Yeah. I might have made that up. Okay. That's okay. So when we come back, there is a story here that is going to make you all laugh. So stay tuned. It's embarrassing. It just an amazing high school way. I am really working on improving my diet by making sure that I get the best quality products, organic foods, and I really want to make sure that I'm not using harsh chemicals in my home. Thrive Market is my go-to for all of my grocery and household essentials. The convenience of getting everything online and then quickly shipped to my doorstep, that is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict 
hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. I can use their filters to suit my lifestyle needs. So maybe you're looking for organic snacks for your kids, or maybe you're gluten-free. As a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. You will too. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily, always has some of my favorite brands. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. So join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash flusterclucks for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash flusterclucks. Thrivemarket.com slash flusterclucks. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. So when you're a parent, you're going to have your fair share of big talks with your kids, right? About all sorts of big topics. One of those big talks should involve money. And Greenlight can help with that. Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. It allows you to do instant money transfers. You can get real-time notifications of spending. You can manage chores. You can automate allowance. I know with my kids, we really wanted to help them see the cause and effect, right? If you spend money now, you're not going to have it later. If you earn money now and you save it, maybe you can put it towards some big purchase that you're looking forward to. This is called financial literacy, and it allows kids to build independence, to learn how money works, to make them better savers, better spenders. The Greenlight app also comes with an in-app financial literacy game. It's called Level Up, so that kids can build money confidence through videos, bite-sized challenges, mini games, and more. More than 6 million parents and kids use Greenlight to learn how to make responsible financial choices. So stop putting off the money talk and start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash fluster. That's greenlight.com slash fluster to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash fluster. Okay, so now back to the show. All right, we've got another one here. Interestingly, and I think not surprisingly, a lot of these stories are about when you were in high school, which is so funny that certainly embarrassing things have happened to you as an adult, but man, do those early embarrassments, those teenage embarrassments get tattooed into your brain. Well, I think that's also probably because the first time you're truly experiencing certain types of emotions, like you said, public humiliation or whatever, to that extreme, they become very memorable. I mean, maybe there's a reason, I don't know the science of memory, but it could be that when you experience specific emotions at a new level for the first time, it's going to leave a mark. And this is also just when you're just most socially, you start developing that social awareness, right? And adolescents feel things strongly. So those powerful emotions that you felt, they're right there. All right. So let me read this one. This is funny. When I was a freshman in high school, our little dog was sprayed by a skunk in the middle of the night. Parenthetically, that happened in our house too when we were kids. And my brother, your husband, took his pillow 
and ran and hid in the closet with his pillow because he didn't want his pillow to get contaminated. Okay. So, <laughs> which is very... Which was is he 16 or 8? Yeah, that was two years ago. <laughs> he was probably like 12. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the dog gets sprayed by a skunk in the middle of the night. This wasn't an average skunk spray, though. I was asleep. My door was closed. The smell was so strong, it woke me up. I could literally taste the skunk spray in the air. Apparently, Holly, the little dog, took a direct hit, ran through the whole house before my mom, who'd gotten up to let her out in the middle of the night, even realized what had happened. Of course, by the time I went to school the next morning, I was nose blind and couldn't smell it anymore. From the minute I got in my neighbor's van for the ride to school, the nose wrinkling and comments started. The very worst moment, however, was when my socially awkward biology teacher... Everyone uh, had one of those. Yeah, yeah. That's such a great phrase. My socially awkward biology teacher began sniffing around the classroom, finally making his way to me. He stood near me, leaned in, sniffing away in front of the whole class. <laughs> oh, my God. I had to admit I was the one who smelled like Pepe Le Pew. So embarrassing. I couldn't go home because my poor parents had to attend a funeral where they also smelled like skunk, I would imagine, where they got a lot of side-eye looks. There wasn't anyone who could pick me up. Though I thought I might die at the time, I'm still here now to laugh about it. Yeah. You know, if I were her, I mean, gosh, that biology class image, I'm even picturing a teacher. Right. I like know, I've, got the picture, I've got the yeah. picture in my head of the teacher. Those moments of the teacher moving closer and closer to her with the Jaws theme playing, that actually had to be the worst part of the whole experience. Oh my God. For her. Yeah. It's like a John Hughes movie, right? So you're sitting there <laughs> and he just keeps coming closer and closer and closer. Oh my God. Like, please, please, please. I know. Yeah. Because that's like extended embarrassment. That's like you can, you can see it happen. You know where this is going. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. See? So now whoever wrote in this story, I hope that you have been able to tell this story and make people laugh the way that you just made us laugh. Because that's what this is about. My mom had a couple of embarrassing stories that she loved to tell. And I was very young when I heard them. You know, she would always talk about embarrassing things that happened to her on dates. She like crawled into the back seat of a car and literally farted right in the face of her date who was climbing in, you know, right next to her. <laughs> oh, there, God. Was, there was another one where she was on a date. I'm still picturing this big 1960s car as well, where she accidentally like she was trying to look at the guy while he was talking to her and the straw of her milkshake went right up her nostril. Oh, God. And then she turned when she realized this happened, she jerked. But then the straw came out and then just started flinging, you know, milkshake everywhere. Yeah. You know, oh. all those little things. And so it was good for me to understand this stuff happens. Yeah. And I think that in your family, you can share these funny stories. 
you just don't want to share them right after your child shares it. Right. You have to share them in advance. Yeah. And they become sort of family lore and it lets everybody laugh about it. And you're modeling for your kid that it was so embarrassing at the time, but you were able to get through it. And now you can have a sense of humor about yourself. So important to model that. The thing we don't want to do and the thing we don't want to show our kids is just taking everything so seriously, right? And just being so mortified and saying to your kid, I'm still not over it. Yeah, we want to be able to show kids how we can handle these things happening because it normalizes it. Of course, it's going to happen. All of us have a farting story where we farted somewhere that we weren't supposed to fart. That's right. Or we emailed someone we weren't supposed to email or it all happens. I think you brought up this good point where the parent, the listeners have to really check in with themselves. If your child tells you something similar to one of these stories, do you honestly know how you would react? And if you don't react where you sort of reply in a mellow way, you remain calm, you show a lot of empathy, but you don't treat it like an emergency. Walk us through that fine line of a difference. I'll give you an example. When I hit a car during my driver's test, I was mortified. And so when I walked back into the DMV, my mom was there waiting for me. Of course, I was sobbing and she opened her arms and she gave me a hug and there was all the appropriate empathy. And then later I find out that everybody was laughing behind my back in my family. Like she went home and said like, oh my God, Lenny hit a car during her driver's test. And it was like, woohoo. But They didn't do that in front of me. I found that out much, much later. So it really is about helping your child in the moment, giving them the language. And, you know, I'm sure she said something like, okay, this isn't the end of the world. We can schedule another appointment. You can come back and try again. So she went right into some problem solving and how we're going to deal with this. It really is about being where they are in the moment with empathy and support not going into the catastrophizing with them. If they come home and tell you an embarrassing thing that they do to say, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Oh my God. Oh, right. You don't want to do that. You don't want to join them in their global catastrophizing. So it's this middle ground between being able to offer empathy and support, maybe a little problem solving if need be, maybe not depending on the situation, but you don't want to join them in their heightened emotions at the time which is really what we talk about all the time in terms of being vanilla ice cream, is that when somebody's having a difficult time, they don't want you, they don't need you, your kids don't need you to then model for them in the moment how to stay in that state. Our last story I have to add, because I think it speaks to adult embarrassment and where we can go with this, okay? Yep. So I laughed when I read this. Yeah. I was in middle school when this happened. I was walking home from school and I had worn a skirt that day. I was crossing Main Street and a car stopped to let me cross. And as I did, a lady rolls down her window and yells, Hey, did you know your skirt was tucked into your nylons? This was the 80s, so people still wore nylons back then. And at some point in the afternoon, I'd used the bathroom and had tucked my skirt into my nylons and then walked through middle school and part of the way home that way. Not so funny at the time, but rather humorous to tell now. Okay, so I have something to add to this. (laughs) When I was pregnant with my son, who was born in August, I was very pregnant one summer, right? That June, July, 
It was very hot. And this one maternity outfit that I could still fit into was this like elastic maternity waistband skirt and like a t-shirt. And that was sort of like what I got through this summer. I was well past shorts, right? (laughs) So my daughter and I are at Panera and we're having a lunch. And as I have walked out of the bathroom back to our table at the other side of the restaurant, my maternity skirt was totally tucked into my underwear. So that means that I walked like bare cheeked through the whole (laughs) restaurant. Look at that pregnant woman's ass is what I'm sure people said. Okay. So I was a little embarrassed and then the exact same thing happened again. Oh my God. We were out at a restaurant and my daughter noted that my skirt once again was tucked into my (laughs) underwear. And can I tell you something? Yeah. This really pregnant, exhausted woman was like, who cares? I literally didn't even care anymore that my bare ass had been shown to a whole Panera or wherever we were for that second time. And so I think that that's also like that skill. I really don't care about the judgment here anymore. Yeah, it we I'm have done. we have crossed over right. into the I don't care stage. Yep, no F's left to give. Well, I remember I, wor- I was working in a, a agency, a mental health agency, and one of the therapists who was super nice, she went to the bathroom and she came back and she also had her skirt tucked totally into her nylons in the back. She comes back in, walks through the waiting room, goes into... <laughs> yeah, and everybody, you know, we're like, oh, hey, Jill. That doesn't happen so much anymore because we don't wear those nylons like we used to. I don't know what it was about this one maternity skirt and my maternity underwear, but something about that, it, they were prone to do it. And so then unlike the nylons, there was a lot of skin showing, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, I've got an image. I've got it. <laughs> I got it. Wait, hold on. You're walking through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holding yep. my little, you, no, I wasn't holding my you pick two because I had just come from the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, embarrassing moments happen. And as parents, I think just like you always say, front loading this can be helpful. And normalizing it and knowing that it's going to happen and you're going to feel embarrassed and you're going to get through it and you're going to laugh about it someday. So. I think that's why we wanted to do this, just to remind everybody, as you're raising your kids, humor, levity, connection, vulnerability, screwing up, telling a good story, all of those things help us as we're parenting. If this episode was helpful to you, you can join our Facebook community and we'd love it if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.